Hey there, welcome back to the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. This is episode 58. I'm Nick Cummings and I'm joined today by Aaron Thayer. Hey everybody. And our long lost friend Spencer Tordoff. Not that long lost, but hello. <laughs> well, you've been on you've been on some some journeys and uh, both yep. spiritual and physical, so <laughs> that is so glad journeys. to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're uh, probably looking at a shorter episode today, but we had a very specific topic we thought we could talk about, uh, which felt relatively timely given that uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, a game that a number of us have been looking forward to or at least looking at very carefully. Uh, came out uh, just talking about the nature of uh, fantasy RPGs in particular, um, which obviously is like the original RPGs, like the pen and paper ones are steeped in fantasy. They were often these long, sprawling campaigns that people would play. And that tradition is kind of, you know, carried on into video games. And uh, a lot of the best, the most renowned and highest regarded games of all time, like look at the Baldur's Gate series, for example, uh, are these very kind of rich, deep, um, complicated uh, lengthy fantasy RPGs. And so what we wanted to talk about a bit was, um, what is, what is it like to play these games at this point? Like they, they kind of had a resurgence, um, or at least attained popularity with the mainstream in a way that hadn't been seen before with, I would say Oblivion was the big game to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Elder Scrolls, uh, four, and then Skyrim just rode the coattails of that game success into just everybody's house. Uh, on like a viking would and uh so yeah i guess like now that we've for example uh, a few of us have been playing dragon age inquisition and have some pretty differing experiences uh but none of us has i would say uh like i, I would say that's fair that you it's probably fair to say you can't go home again with some of these things and i kind of wanted to pick apart with you guys uh, what has changed? What stayed the same? And um, compared to other genres that have kind of come and gone or seen revivals of the old way, uh, what is different about these kind of games and what, what kind of uh, links them together? I'll, uh, I'll start just by saying, to frame my perspective, and I think I, the, the rest of us um, here might agree with this, because I'm really curious to hear what Spencer has to say. So for, for framing this, I don't want it to just be perceived as, you know, we're coming from a perspective that we're older now, we're closer to our 30s as of the three of us on this recording. Perilously close. Yeah, perilously. The razor's edge. And we're just getting older. We have more responsibilities in time, whether or not that's true. And uh, we just can't play these games. Like, not um, three older dudes just can't play them, so we don't like them. But we were talking about this before we started recording. It's to me seeing a trend in these games that aren't fantasy RPGs, ones like uh, Assassin's Creed Unity, that whole series really lately, Far Cry, Grand Theft Auto V, um, and a few others are all open world, adding layer upon layer of RPG like things and progression gating to get players to spend more time in that world to then hopefully from a business side, reduce the chance of them trading the game in earlier um, to hopefully have them buy a season pass. This is what I assume is the reason why. So point of that being, I'm seeing this as a larger trend of the industry and all of these classic RPG elements are becoming more and more uh, rolled into games. And uh, lastly, it's really come up, just looking at Madden, uh, the, the latest Madden, there's a coworker I have that showed me the game at work the other day. And the, it is basically an RPG game. Like, you 
do missions for stats and there's a whole sub management game in there now you can like just play one role as i want to be the quarterback and i want to get my stats up and just do that through a separate mode like you are literally playing a pen and paper rpg in madden uh the latest one so all of these rpg things exist in every type of genre so it's not just us not having the time to play these games. That's just what I wanted to say to start. So you, you roll a d20 to see if you get a, a face mask violation? Yeah. And then you have crippling uh, brain injuries and you can't play anymore. So. Isn't that what fantasy football is already? Is just yeah. D&D yeah. about football? But when yeah. you say that to people who play it, they just like try to ignore you and call you a nerd. So Yeah. It's like instead of saying I put on my robe and wizard hat, it's helmet and shoulder pads. But, and, now, now we sound like we're victimized <laughs> and in, in, total, in total fairness to those people um you know ignoring me and calling me a nerd is pretty much a reaction it's i get all the par time for the course, so yeah. not really out of the way so yeah <laughs> there's there's a lot of these games that are trying to get people to spend more time in their worlds there's also and you know correct me if i'm wrong here but beside these uh older style longer more layered games um both open world and the classic RPGs that are kind of coming back out now with the Wasteland 2 and uh, Shadowrun and all of that uh, type. So those are very dense, very long games. And then by contrast, you have the uh, kind of the triple A vanguard of titles like Call of Duty, um, Titanfall, I believe falls into that category. Mm-hmm. Things that, uh, don't put so much of an emphasis on length of the game. And I, I personally think a big de- uh, big part of that is that publishers don't want to shoot themselves in the foot by putting out a game that gets such a good reception and has so much content that it prevents consumers from buying a new uh, release from that publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Yeah. Back in the day, and I made this conversation before we started record, or this comparison before we started recording, um, Star Trek Elite Force was panned for having a seven hour campaign. And it was like, what the hell? This should have been a lot longer. It doesn't seem like a good value. Uh, I just looked it up on uh, how long to beat. And of the modern warfare end of Call of Duty, seven hours was the longest campaign in that trilogy. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, and Elite Force was a shooter, right? So this is basically the same genre. Yeah. Different yeah. expectations. Exactly. And yeah. it, it basically the expectations of the late 90s versus the expectations of the modern day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it's just been kind of moving towards this quick, episodic, like if you're going to get extended um, enjoyment out of it, it's through the multiplayer exclusively. Um, rather than having a long, rich campaign. Granted, you know, I adored the campaign in uh, Modern Warfare, um, as much as I did the one in Elite Force. They were both very well told, very um, action-packed, but just not super long. It's it's just a kind of a shift in expectations, though, overall. So, yeah, I think yeah. an interesting point of contrast, too, is looking at something like Alien Isolation, which came out this fall, and uh, really uniformly pretty positive reviews. The only consistent point of feedback i found has been that's negative is that it's way too long because it takes i think anywhere from like 15 to 25 hours to beat and it's a single player first person game and you know i Mm. look at that now and i think wow no i don't want to spend 25 hours playing especially a horror first person game but any 
any campaign that long just feels to me like something went wrong like there just wasn't enough edited out um and like in a weird way i think consumers value expectations have kind of started to shift away from longer games as well maybe because of understanding that like more isn't necessarily better yeah in a way we're getting these games artificially lengthened shoved on us uh all of the images you can look up online to bring the assassin's creed point up again um if anybody hasn't seen it, you should uh, search for Assassin's Creed Unity icons on the map or something like that. Um, when you are playing that game and you don't have it filtered on the main map of Paris, there are literally layers upon layers, I'd say close to 50, 60 icons that just overwhelm you. And you can filter them out, but just, when you look just at that... Just kinds of icons, not individual uh, points of interest? So there's probably... I'm, I'm going to miss the exact number, but 10 different types of icons, be it okay. there, there are story missions, of course, then there's the side missions. There are specifically like investigate murders, uh, help Madame Tussaud, Tussaud um, different side stories, the co-op missions and all this. So there's like 10 to 15 different icons on the map to begin with. And then the treasure chest that mm-hmm. you probably remember from the other games. If you just open the map, the default view is unfiltered. All of that is on the map. And you can't even see where your character is. So <laughs> you have to filter it to get to what you want. The point of that being, as much as I enjoy, for me, that simple uh, reward system that um, is a lot of content and just kind of stupid and boring to a lot of people of collectathon stuff from back in the Banjo-Kazooie days that's in Assassin's Creed... That's satisfying to me, but it does feel like it's just artificially lengthening the game just for the point of like, hey, there's a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. But I was curious, Nick, um, you have had some thoughts on Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'm curious for you is, does the length of a game and the longer games, something like a Dragon Age, uh, does it depend on just how that narrative grabs you that makes it worth it to play longer. Because I would argue, uh, I haven't finished Wasteland 2. Um, um, what's the Or Divinity. Uh, yeah, Divine Divinity Original Sin. Divinity Original Sin, which was another Kickstarter success. Mm-hmm. And when Pillars of Eternity from um, Obsidian, and then the other... Um, the torment successor the planescape torment yes successor, yeah. when those come out i back them but i don't know if i will finish them so those four specific computer rpg classic revamps they're great but i'm playing a game that just is so in many ways archaic that yeah. it doesn't hold my attention but with dragon age and maybe you have a different experience the way that the narrative unfolds and the characters and the modern Bioware stuff they put in there makes it, for me, a worthy investment of that, like, 50, 100 hours. But I don't know how you feel about it. I mean... So there's a lot to unpack here. Because, <laughs> on the one hand, you're you're talking about RPGs that not only are long and involved like their forebears, but they were actually modeled on very specific games that came a long time ago like the fallout series began in what 1996 1998 somewhere around there Mm -hmm. and the um 
and game, the Wasteland inspired that originally. So Wasteland 2 was really like a callback to that very specific isometric style of game with like the turn-based everything. And um, so on, the, on that level, like mechanically and content-wise, those games are playing it very close to their um, sources of inspiration. Mm-hmm. But then you have something like Dragon Age Inquisition, which um, just to set the stage this is the third game in the series that's had its ups and downs dragon age 2 was widely regarded as kind of a step back for a lot of people despite the fact that a lot of the changes like to make the combat move more quickly and um require less pausing uh, everything was kind of done to bring in i guess theoretically a bigger audience and that never really got into dragon age origins which i think is more an issue with the fact that the console versions of that game were garbage and the yeah. pc version maybe not the best rpg um ever made at the time i thought it was pretty fantastic but i was also approaching that specific game dragon age origins uh as someone who had never gotten into Baldur's gate as someone who had played a lot of planescape but liked that more because of the story and the bizarre world and the freedom that it allowed you than really uh thaco and dnd second edition rules i'm not really huge on that stuff mm-hmm. um so with inquisition i thought that there was some great world building in the original game i loved but what really got me the most was um, the way the narrative never shied away from giving you complex, loaded questions and decisions to make about a world that is uh, pretty messed up, but also very well thought out and uh, full of conflicts and uh, debates that reflect our own world very closely. And um, that was my favorite part. And seeing how the different characters were written so intelligently to interweave with these different conflicts in the way that you as your player character had to kind of navigate both these world issues that affected the overall outcome of your campaign, as well as like the the sentiment and the um, kind of compatibility of your uh, teammates uh, at the same time. So for me, the world was kind of secondary. The combat was interesting, but not my favorite part. It was the way that the characters developed in tandem with the world that was in a very interesting state of chaos that really did it for me. And I think that was the fact that it was all wrapped up in like this Basically, like, you and your characters are all doomed from the start in Dragon Age Origins. You're all Grey Wardens, which means that you're basically compelled by your blood to hunt down these demons until you eventually go crazy from their blood that's inside your system, and you decide to walk into the center of the earth and kill them until you die. It's kind of hardcore, and I really appreciated that. And in Inquisition, uh, without getting into the details of the story, there really is no compulsion like that. Like, yeah, okay, there's a big fucking hole in the sky, and bad things are coming out of it, and you can close those holes, but... I'm I'm currently like 15 hours in and I've been just trying so hard to stick with it because Aaron and Tyler have been having such a great time with it. But I feel like there's no, there is no hook in this game of any kind because um, it lacks the focus and the drive that moved you from point to point in Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2. And um, it's got too much superfluous stuff on the side to kind of distract you, but it's also a requirement because there's this overall concept of power and you have power points you need to level up to unlock the story missions. Yeah, so, it's, it's funny that you saying that is actually giving me this perspective on what we were talking about is the way that they added these additional extra missions on their own version of a world map where you can send forces, um, sort of like a tablet game that a lot of the tie-in games have done. where Or just uh, like Assassin's Creed with your uh, brotherhood. Right. Send your, your uh, non-playable just cards pictures not even actual physical characters you can see off to do a mission to get you resources um they added that in inquisition and that is totally the same sort of artificial 
uh, expansion of content just to feel like it's giving you as a player more. And I can tell you that they didn't even need to add that in. There was already so much crap to do in the other uh, worlds. Or the it's other... overwhelming. Yeah. yeah, it's overwhelming. So do you think it's just a problem with these RPGs or RPG-like games that um, adding all of this extra stuff is not actually giving any enjoyment? It's just forcing you into a corner and you just feel like I don't have the time to do this because it's not satisfying. I have a, okay. Um, I have a theory about this and because when I think back on it, like playing Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate two, um, to a lesser extent, Planescape though, I kind of missed the boat on that when I was little, those games were very, um, they were very dense and very long but it it never had any uh anything artificial to it. Mm-hmm. They were dense and long because the story was dense and long. There were a couple times where you know you could wander off on side quests, but those were all well thought out. They weren't um they weren't just grinds. So what I find myself thinking is that we're kind of seeing a bleed over from the MMO genre from massively multiplayer games because those have a vested interest in keeping you locked in for as long as possible. Yeah. And so as a result, like sure, there might be some story elements there, something cool going on, but ultimately they will resort to really kind of awful things to keep you playing. Like, uh, you know, things like world of Warcraft, have you go and kill 20 of this thing or kill, these things until you have five of this item. Grind uh, out. Eve has real time, like, start studying this thing and in five days you'll be done, or in a month you'll be done. Um, again, things that force you into the game for a long span of time. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as though uh, for larger studios, they've just gone, well, you know, we could put together a 20-hour campaign that's really thought well thought out, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, if we just add some collectibles and a, ra- you know, a few races over here, uh, you know, we're basically getting to that same amount of time. We don't really have to put in the same amount of effort. Yeah, there are yeah. even the missions in Inquisition that take six, seven, eight hours, so it's almost forcing you to go and remember that throughout your actual day to go back. Oh, yeah, I should go check into the game. Yeah, I sent them you, off. You know it's bad when you wish there was a companion app that sent you push notifications. <laughs> oh boy, when they were done. Yeah, I it's, need a game to manage yeah. my game. Oh, it's but yeah, I think I think Spencer's exactly right. Like, um, in an effort to, and I'm guessing this is partially a reality of like perceived business needs and costs to develop in a mm-hmm. you know, because let's be honest, making an isometric 2D RPG with like 100 hours of content is no small feat. Yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> Compared to rendering an entire explorable open world with like distinct environments of like eight to like how many does Dragon Age have like eight or ten or something like that? and they're huge There's seven zones yeah okay so that's like a lot of stuff to create and then like all these different systems and engines and then suddenly it starts to dawn on me like why there are in for example Assassin's Creed why there are repetitive types of side missions and why in Dragon Age you have to go collect like a shitload of elf fruit for anything you want to craft or why you yeah. need to like go get like kill 10 wolves. Cause like, yes, that's a trope that made it into dragon age. And I correct me if I'm wrong, Aaron, but I don't think any of that stuff was in origins. Like every no. side mission felt like it, it played into the main plot. 
No, I mean, if there were generic RPG missions, they it didn't feel as if you were locked out from some form of progression. It doesn't. You could beat Dragon Age, I'm pretty sure, by just doing the main story missions, no problem. Yeah, but as smartly as they're doing, and, and yes, Spencer is right. A lot of this has bled over from WoW and others um, to get better gear or to do more interesting stuff or to feel like you've built up your, your uh, keep of Skyhold, which you get after you've done the first few main story missions. Which, yeah. Gotta go collect all this it. crap. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have, like, where you're at, you haven't gotten to the rest of the good stuff, but mm-hmm. I totally get the hesitation and the just exhaustion you have of I'm 15 hours in, which is a full campaign for a lot of games, and I haven't even gotten started on the real uh, depth of the game's story. Like yeah. that That's crazy. That is totally crazy. Now, I fully admit that. And, like, I'm not trying to second-guess you, because I do believe that that stuff is coming. And all the side characters I met have been really great, really well-realized, really well-acted. Uh, the Iron Bull might be the best character I've seen all year, because mm-hmm. he's just ridiculous. Um, and But... I've been on this path before. Like, look at Final Fantasy thirteen, where the common, you know, logic was... 30 hours. <laughs> no, it gets really good at hour 30. <laughs> and I freaking got there. Yeah. I got to the last chapter, and guess what? It's just a bolted-on open-world go-collect-and-kill-stuff-to-level-up yep. game. I stopped playing when I got there. I have never me touched too. that game since, because I that refused pissed to finish me it. off. Yeah. So Everyone should just go play Valkyria Chronicles instead. <laughs> Which I'm actually really looking forward to getting on PC. But what it's it's kind of coming down to is, you know, if we're in an era where we're not going to have as many of those classic old RPGs, I'll take a thousand really well thought out, really enjoyable seven hour campaigns over, you know, any number of the really sawdust filled, you know, kind of fake extended mm-hmm. um type of content at the same time i am very happy of, uh, about the resurgence of old school rpgs if only because when i'm retired i will have a lot <laughs> of them to play through and that'll be really nice yeah and On your brain implants <laughs> yeah you'll no just... i'm just i'm just gonna have an original pc and you know my kids or nephew or whatever will what be like, well, why don't you just <laughs> plug it into your head and I'm like no you don't understand <laughs> You you make a good point, and I I feel um, I've absolutely fallen um, victim to these developers and these marketing needs to, uh, as you called it, add sawdust to these games and just fill them up um, in kind of a hollow sense. I've I am that completionist person. I. Uh, though I don't have as high a gamer score as Nick, at one time I was like determined to kind of beat him. I never told him that. Like I wanted to get, <laughs> I wanted to get more gamer score than you. Okay. Uh, but I was also really into like completing games and doing all the achievements. And part of me is still like that, and that's why I still will go and hunt down these stupid, stupid feathers or whatever in Assassin's Creed because I got those. Yeah, or like the orbs in. Uh, um, um, Crackdown? Crackdown, or the shards in Infamous. Like, that stuff, the collectathons. I know what they're doing. I'm not unaware of it, but it's still... It just scratches an itch. Like, I'll put on a podcast and do that but if I have some time it, to kill. 
doesn't it just sort of weigh on you for a while? Well, that, like, that's I was playing absolutely. Black Flag, and I was just like, okay, I can do this. I'll just put on podcasts like I used to, and go explore all the islands and conquer all the. And then, like after about an hour of that, I was like, no, I'd actually rather like pound a nail through my face. Yeah. See, I can only ever do that with really truly mindless stuff. So, for example, if I relapse and start playing WoW, if I'm grinding, or uh, yeah. if I'm in Minecraft building something, like or yeah. not even building something, harvesting raw materials. Like, stuff that I am barely even engaged with uh, are the only things that I can focus on something else like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like that, too, now. Like, it has to be that level I'm just, still like, mindlessness. I'm still not there, since I've, I've said this to both of you. I don't know if I've said it on a podcast before, but with Minecraft, I feel too unrestricted, so that's where I lose interest. Like, mm. there's too much freedom I want to have some structure so even if it's collecting an item that would make me want to put a nail through my eye it's at least in the result is i get this really cool piece of gear or an achievement so that that gating and that progression has definitely worked on me and it still does even though i am losing my patience so having a strong campaign which despite me not really getting jazzed about the advanced warfare campaign this year, for example, like it, it knew what it was doing. It didn't fuck around and it got you through that story without a hesitation, without a beat, uh, missing a beat. It got it done. And that was nice to have a little bit of a palate cleanser, even though ironically they have some RPG elements in there with your soldier specialization. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, like that is absolutely the antithesis of something like dragon age, Assassin's Creed, even the computer RPG Kickstarter successes. Sure. So, and just just the risk of being called out here, I did about two weeks ago, one hundred percent infamous Second Son. I collected everything. I don't know what happened to me. I so, just put on a podcast and it was done. So, <laughs> see, so there's still an element there. I'm still susceptible to it. Do you but... think it's the world that makes the difference? Like, you like that narrative and you were engaged with that world more than Dragon Age, so mm-hmm. you didn't really care about doing it, or just it caught you in a mood? I liked the game. Like, the the story caught me by surprise. I actually thought... I think it's by far my favorite infamous game. Yeah. One of the better games I've actually played this year, which really surprised me. And also, it was attainable. Like, there just isn't that much to do in infamous. And that, yeah. to me, made you it You could see like, the well, light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it's like, I'm already here. I might as well. You know, that kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. For me, and just because I'm being forced to think about it now, uh, I never like sawdust i have never enjoyed that type of content um what it comes down to when i like i said when i think about it right now is i either want a a nice cohesive tight story or i want something that's sandboxy but that can stand on the merit of its mechanics more Mm. than any added content like far cry 3 fuck the story of far cry 3 like i could not give a single shit about brosif white guy and his Brody. quest to become the Brody. king of murderers um but i that's actually a very good synopsis uh but at the same time <laughs> you should update the wikipedia <laughs> uh but at the same time that game was so much fun to just play that it was excellent right um or just so, cause or something or like just that. cause yeah. or anything of that nature so i, I don't know deb's Stop adding sawdust, I guess, is really what I what I end up thinking. Yeah, don't be afraid to focus on what makes your game like special and important and worth playing. And I'd rather mean, yeah, I'd rather play the Dragon Age dating sim than the uh farming for resource. Hot boyfriend with dragons. 
I I would totally play that. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, me too. And like, w- one last thing I wanted to kind of run by you guys is that, um, you know, we talked about, you know, is it just that these games are too long or they have too long and winding of stories? I am currently, as a sort of comfort food thing, um, like for an hour before I go to bed, I've been playing through Virtue's Last Reward again on my Vita, mm-hmm. which, as you know, is like a 30-hour visual novel. Like, you solve a few puzzles here and there, but it's really just like a crap load of text. And that that is... I think the reason that game works for me and why the visual novels have kind of found an audience... And, like, Long Live the Queen is a visual novel, too, so maybe it's mm-hmm. just me, but I know they're getting more popular here, and I think it might be because of the fact that, like, they don't do a lot, but they focus on really nailing that point A to point B to point C, like, making sure the narrative is strong, making sure that the minimal gameplay elements enhance it rather than detract from it. And I think it's just too hard to orchestrate chaos when you have... or orchestrate something out of chaos when you have so much going on, and, like, um, that's, been, I think, why... Uh, Bethesda games have been very hit or miss for me uh, because those worlds are so open and complicated and it's mm-hmm. very easy to get sidetracked which is either great if you have a lot of time to kill or terrible if you're like I want to see what makes this game unique yeah I think you're right and I'm I'm glad that there's more of a niche for the visual novels I haven't played one myself so I, I could see being interested in that um, because the best parts of all the games I think about that I've enjoyed, not just this year, but recently in, in recent memory, uh, I have never really been someone who's focused on the mechanics. Like, I don't look at games, and this is something that came up during the game development course I took earlier this summer. The mechanics are like the core of, for a, a developing um, game designer, like, what is your core mechanic? How do you. Uh, have the interaction with the player with the world or something so is it jumping is it uh, whatever it is that has never interested me because for games like i get it there's a shooter you shoot stuff there's a platformer you jump on platforms there's uh, whatever it is i get it what is the game doing from a story perspective from a narrative from a immersion sense that is unique that is interesting that is engaging so short of a game for me like skyrim which i've as you guys know, put a lot of time into just because for whatever that world did well for me, it made me connect with it and I wanted to stay in it, even though the story was really absent. Like There's not a lot of story there. It's unfortunate that a game like Dragon Age, which has a great story behind it, is being... They put a hurdle right in front of all of that story content where the other, like Dragon Age Origins, didn't have because of these gameplay elements, these this fluff, this sawdust that's added there some people like Nick, maybe you never actually go and experience the rest of it until far down the road. You enjoy it, but that's on them to delay a player's enjoyment because of all this artificial stuff. So it's good that there are games like these visual novels that you can just enjoy a narrative, a story, and a development of characters, because that's the whole point. It's not about forcing you to stay in this world because they think they have to. Yeah. Um, one other thing to note, I added up the time I spent playing Gone Home, The Walking Dead Season 2, and Broken Age, and I enjoyed three, well, two and a half complete great stories uh, with rich cast of characters and interesting developments, and the same amount of time it's taken me to grind my way to the first real relevant mission in Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll pay off more in the end. I, I just, I think that's worth considering. I don't know, it seems kind of like a no-brainer to me. Yeah. Time is money, gentlemen. And speaking of which, we are running out of time. So, uh, any last thoughts before I wrap this up? 
Uh, you should keep trying in Dragon Age. <laughs> I'll, I know, but after, after, give me some time. I got other stuff to play. Okay. I'll say uh, Baldur's Gate is still very, very long, but makes an excellent platform for playing a D&D game these days. So, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. <laughs> good to know. All right. Uh, Aaron, thanks for joining me. Spencer, good to have you back. Um, you want to quickly mention where you guys are available on the Intertron? Spencer. I am at Spencer Tordoff on Twitter. I've got a couple articles and at least one other episode of player accounts coming up this year, uh, though that's going to be based on when I can work on them uh, due to other stuff going on for me. But before the end of the year, anyway. So don't get your hopes up, everybody. No, as, as long as you're <laughs> not really wanting something before January 1st, then... Or no, after. Whatever. I don't know. It's fine. Uh, I can be found on Twitter at Aaron there, and as usual, I'm doing most of the stuff on the back end of the site, so you only usually see me on podcasts and backlogs, but... We are getting started this um, upcoming weekend, at which as of this recording, we're, we're recording on a Wednesday. This coming we, uh, weekend, we'll be doing our Game of the Year deliberations starting that. So that will be a lot of end-of-the-year content you guys will see towards December, um, and we're all excited to do that. So look out for that stuff. I'm excited in the same way that like a gladiator is excited to enter open combat. Yeah. Good chance I'll lose a limb. Mm-hmm. Well, we've uh, been training each all year. Yeah, I mean, I've been fighting tigers. I don't know about you guys, but it's yeah. been good practice. Uh, you can find me at Nick Cummings on Twitter, uh, Ymog, W-H-Y-M-O-G, on any gaming platform. Uh, and if you want to play Diddy Kong Racing, <laughs> I've been talking to a lot of people about this. I never owned it. I don't think it's actually a very good game, but I have the strongest urge to play the hell out of Diddy Kong Racing. So it's, if I know you and you want to play now. it... It's, it came out during November, so it's definitely a fall tradition. So you should play that with him. Yeah, God. There were, there were boats and planes. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. You, you could race in so many different ways. Dragon Age doesn't have that. Dragon <laughs> Age just has mounts. Game, game of the year, Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> yeah. Checkmate, Dragon Age. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll be back with... We might do another podcast, but I'm guessing Game of the Year is going to take up a lot of stuff, and we'll have a crap load of audio to come out of those deliberations so stay tuned for that and one last plug uh haven't received any questions yet but if you have any for the podcast for any of us about anything uh within reason and hopefully with legal within your jurisdiction please send it to questions at siliconsasquatch.com and we will hopefully read some of those on the air soon cool bye thanks guys bye bye for now Silicon Sasquatch is an independent blog covering the cultural and social significance of games. We're based in Portland, Oregon, and our five members are Doug Bonham, Nick Cummings, Aaron Thayer, Tyler Martin, and Spencer Tordoff. We publish new essays, editorials, podcasts, uh, strange comic illustrations that are poorly drawn, whatever you can really imagine. We post it all the time, Monday through Friday, at siliconsasquatch.com. You can follow along for more updates at facebook.com slash siliconsasquatch or on Twitter where we are at Sasquatch Gaming. Uh, as always, thank you for listening and please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, whatever your favorite podcast app is these days. Who knows? You kids and your podcast apps. And we'll be back uh, next week with a new episode. 